everyone, and welcome to A Nightmare on Fear Street. A monstrous podcast about all things horror. If you like what you hear today, then you can follow us on all of the usual socials or subscribe to our Patreon for bonus content and merch. You can find all of that by visiting us at allmylinks.com backslash A Nightmare on Fear Street or in our episode descriptions wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Today we're covering Ganjin Hess with Ash from Rise from the Dead. Hi. Welcome, Ash. <laughs> Hi. Welcome to Fear Street. <laughs> I know, thank you. Thank you. It's such an honor to be here. <laughs> thank you. It's been a long six months. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is going to continue our throwback. I don't, we don't do it on Thursday. Throwback Monday doesn't have a nice ring to it. <laughs> unnamed section of our season where we're just doing 70s movies because we want to old school I don't know. oh oh let's do old school that's right episode three we figured out our theme it's old school everybody <laughs> get on board get on board <laughs> yes but before we get into ganjin has we're going to get to know ash a little bit since this is a first time guest so we start here with everyone but first before we get to know you Tell us about your podcast and what y'all do over there with your podcast. So I'm one of the co-hosts on Kill the Dead podcast with Gray and Devin. And we're just like a trio of friends who like to talk about what we love, which is horror. So we're actually getting ready to uh, start our new season. So stay tuned for that. Um, And then I have my own spinoff show called Rise from the Dead. And myself and special guest, our guest we'll cover a hidden gem and then we decide if it should rise from the dead or stay buried so (laughs) (laughs) i was i was blessed with the presence of sheree uh for pretty much two episodes (laughs) because (laughs) i guess i waited too long to edit the episode and skype was like psych your mind make a booty shine we're going to erase the <laughs> recording you're only gonna get 15 minutes of it but uh we covered the movie um skinner that was like <laughs> a rough one. and there was cool. a, and let's just say there's a reason why that episode was not released so <laughs> i had her i had her back on for oh my gosh what was that What's it called? Hack-a-lantern? No, 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 not Hack-a-lantern. Oh my gosh. Oh, I no. forgot the name of it. Oh, no. Sorry. <laughs> but I It'll had probably come to you like halfway and, through. Yeah, and it was a uh, it was Blood Harvest. Yes. Yes, it was yes. Blood Harvest. Because yes. tiny, not Tiny, tiny Tim. Tim. It was Tiny Tim. Awesome. Yeah. He was there, but he didn't have no ukulele this time. No, he was a clown. <laughs> but yeah, so we had fun with that. But yeah, my show is just doing the Lord's work and like watching all these like hidden movies that not a lot of people talk about. And I mean, the horror genre in general, it's just, there's so many amazing movies out there that deserve to have to get their flowers. So I feel like it's my job to shine some light and let people know about them. So Love what, yeah. what I love about Rise from the Dead is that it's movies I've never heard of <laughs> ever. Like every time you're like, we're doing this, I'm like that's a movie. But each <laughs> of them, when you watch them, feel like what we grew up watching in like USA and shit and like Cinemax when we supposed to be asleep. Yep. And it's just like, this would have definitely been in that camp. This had a 2 a.m. movie before Duke Nukem. <laughs> this would have definitely been in. <laughs> yes, I just, and I'm on a little hiatus because. Working two jobs, and I decided to go back to school. So I'm trying to navigate through all that, and I'll, I'll, I'll be making my way back soon. I have a feeling I'll be back for my birthday month, <laughs> October, and <laughs> do a little Ash to Ashes birthday party. So I'll keep everyone posted. Love it, love it. Where can uh, people find both of your podcasts? We're available pretty much anywhere you can listen to podcasts. Apple podcasts spotify anchor iHeartRadio, pandora all that good stuff wherever you can stream any show you can find us there there you go awesome all right and what are those oh never mind i'm skipping ahead okay so now we're going to get to know you a little bit so we start here with everyone ash what is your favorite scary movie 
<sighs> okay. So, <laughs> well, I have one like number one favorite horror movie, but I feel like it can like go back and forth. But if I really had to narrow it narrow it down to just like my number one, I have to say The Exorcist. Oh, um, it just that movie. Like, where can you begin? <laughs> that's one of the very. That's like the very few movies that actually scared the shit out of me. Like, there's just one specific scene in there that would, uh, uh-uh, I'm no. done nightmares. No. But um, <laughs> but yeah, like that movie, I just hold near and dear to my heart. It was a movie my mom introduced me to, even though she swears she's not the one that got me into horror. She is. She was. She's almost right. times with you every other weekend. I see her. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> But yeah, I have to go with The Exorcist. It's just awesome. that's a good one. Yeah. And I, funny thing is, I think you're the second guest in a row that has said The Exorcist is. Their well, favorite. let me switch it up. So, no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> nah. no, I love that The Exorcist is getting their flowers because a lot of the time it's one that I think that's a classic that I think needs needs respect. I love it. Yeah. A lot of the people who make horror movies cite it as one of their favorites because I've been doing like the favorites of John Carpenter or whoever. And like the Exorcist is a constant. Like it's like Exorcist and what? What else? <laughs> it's Love a it. deep movie. I mean, there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot. And it's just like, yeah, not every scene is all like blood, guts, tits, and ass, like all up in your face. Yeah. Like it's a deep story. I've never read the book mm-hmm. because I don't know if I can handle it. But <laughs> yeah, it's just that movie. Just it does what it had. It did what it had to do, and it definitely had an effect on me. So, right. so I saw it for the first time last year. Yeah, that's crazy. That's <laughs> yeah. still crazy to me. That's still no, insane to me. Heart of the Crucifix is still in my mind, and I'm just like, well, that was too far. That was too I, far. I actually have an autograph poster of The Exorcist by the one and only Linda Blair. I was lucky <laughs> enough. I, I never I haven't met her yet. I hope to meet her one day because I truly adore her. But um was that day of the, days of the dead, the convention, mm-hmm. they have like celebrities sign like extra like merchandise and then they sell it. And I was just cruising on Facebook and I saw it. I was like, Excuse me. The right. Linda Blair, y'all selling this poster that's on the like legit. Like I have to. And it was it was the best fifty dollars spent. So I have right here. Uh, Miss Reagan is staring at me right now, but right. It's, it's okay. I love that her autograph was affordable because, like, autographs nowadays you need like sell your whole apartment and two kidneys. Yeah, I'm because I'm getting ready. Like by the time this, um, I'm not sure when this is gonna be released, but I'm getting ready to go back to Horror Hound, um, like September 9th. And I'm just like, man, I better let me make sure I got some money put aside for this because <laughs> <laughs> there's some people I want to see. Like Uncle Keith David's gonna be there. I was like, let me make sure I got some. I yeah. love him, but his Instagram handle is Silverthroat. Bro, I no, and he he's too precious. I found out with Silverthroat because he had a Twitter rant about because he was sexualizing, obviously. They're like, haha, Silverthroat, and he's like, no, how dare you make it dirty? I got a silver <laughs> tongue. That's why it's Silverthroat. I'm like, stop. Uncle it's David, it's Uncle okay. Keith. No, no. <laughs> and so I had to go follow him and see it for myself. Oh. I should like when when I meet him, I should be like, "Can you autograph this uh, silver throat, please?" Thank you. <laughs> I'm not going to do it yet. I'm not. I'm not going to do it. Right? But yeah, like Thanks. it'd be an awesome. It'd be an awesome Tinder handle, but he put it for his Instagram handle because he's Keith David. He's too precious for the internet. Yes. <laughs> so our. Um, Exorcisms and demons is that kind of your favorite subgenre? Actually, no, I mean, every genre of horror is going to be my favorite because I mean, I'm just I love everything horror, but my favorite genre would have to be slashers. I love slashers, and then I love me some good old international horror, so I'm like your go to person for <laughs> international horror. Yeah, Korean horror has changed my life, that's why I get a bed now. <laughs> yeah, Sheree has fallen in love with Korean horror, and I have fallen in love with most of the Australian horror that I have found. Baby, horror. they're off the chain. Oh my gosh, both of them. And especially, let's throw in some French extreme in there. Oh, oh. <laughs> they gets a little wild for me sometimes. They're gonna be like, oh, oh my god, hot attention to something. Some Martyrs of something. is my favorite, and Inside is like, yes. 
is Sidus in like the same like place as um Martyrs, but Martyrs is just it does it for me. Ooh. Listen, I, I had to tap out of Irreversible because I was not uh, with that dad's head. And I was like, too many booty holes and dicks are spinning around at once. And I just need less of all of this. I was like, okay, this is fine. That's weird. He said that. Oh, no, it's all spinning. Everybody put some pants on. Stop spinning. I was like, I'm getting motion sickness and I'm grossed out. Ah. Yeah, that's a that's a tough film to yeah to Stomach. Like. It, yeah. it was the first one I tapped out of and not just to go to sleep. I was like, I can't do it. It's spinning too much, Jess. I'm sorry. Imagine watching that one in like the IMAX. Ooh. ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 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 No. I, it was a lot. It was a lot. It's still on my soul. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, you've already kind of hinted at this with your mom and the exorcist. Or uh, uh, So tell us, what's your horror origin story? What got you into the genre? That I always love that question. Um, <laughs> let's see, little old Ash to Ashes was terrified <laughs> of horror movies growing up. Um, like I remember, I like even though I was terrified, I always stayed up late Saturday nights mm-hmm. to watch Tales from the Crypt. And then it's like, what really got me into horror? Poltergeist was my was like the first movie but i was too scared like to this day the whole scene with homeboys in the bathroom and he's peeling his face still gets me that whole movie in general is just red flags red flag (laughs) but uh the one movie that really got me into horror was child's play i remember going over to my cousin's house and they were watching it i was just like "Eh," like why is he why is there a doll chasing after that boy why is he trying to kill people and then it was like I would peep, like, open my eyes and be like, oh, that's it? Oh, that's nothing. So I would just... Oh, look, that, Chucky, I would, he's just yeah. cute. And for some reason, just talking about that now, my childhood was just... Why was... What, I was just always somewhere watching killer doll movies. I don't understand. <laughs> because after Child's Play was uh, P- Pinocchio's Revenge. Oh! But, <laughs> yeah, Pinocchio's Revenge... No. I've never seen that one. What did he did he give somebody splinters? I'm confused. It's like we should cover that. What? <laughs> What's he gonna I, do with that nose? Is my question. Like what? It was like what that nose do is in fact a good question. <laughs> From what I can remember, because it's been years since I've seen it, because it's one of those hard to find films. But <laughs> I'm your girl that can find it. Um, <laughs> like. This lawyer is like defending uh, someone, and his soul is in Pinocchio's doll, and Pinocchio's is—it's a hot ass mess. But anyways, <laughs> but yeah, my love for horror started when I was like six years old, watching Child's Play, and I took like a little break from it. Like I'll dabble into watching movies here and there, like growing up. But when I was in, I want to say junior high going to high school that's when it started to kick in and i was like taking down notes of movies that i wanted to watch and all that stuff and then boom look at me now it's like (laughs) and here we are right i love it i love it uh take a minute and plug any of the socials for you or your podcasts yeah so y'all can find let's see follow me on twitter at ash to ashes that's ash with x in the middle ashes I do have a, a Twitter page for my show, Rise from the Dead. It's um, Rise from Dead Pod. And I try my best to keep up with tweeting on that page. And I apologize if there's like not much on there. But yeah, if you follow me on my like my personal Twitter page, I got you there. Yeah, it's a lot. I'm lucky Sheree does have Twitter because I don't have I don't have the Twitter mind. Twitter makes sense. Once you figure out the hashtags and the right people to follow, you in. Yeah. Instagram though is an unforgiven bitch. <coughs> She's just like, oh, do you have a project? I don't care. And I'm like, Instagram. <laughs> I I can't get into Instagram for some reason. Like I have one, but no. I'll be lucky if I post something on there like once every two weeks. Like before we get a podcast, I would forget that I had one for like months and months and months, sometimes a year. Like if you go through my Instagram feed, there are gaps. Like if I was applying for a job on that, they'd be like, explain this gap. And I'd be like, I just forgot it was there. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. All right. Well, let's get into Ganja and Hess because there's a lot to discuss. 
Um, so, Ash, what is one of your first thoughts? Ah, that's a, okay. Dwayne Jones was fine as hell for no damn reason. <laughs> that's all I can that's say. That's my first note, too. <laughs> but he was like, I mean, Night of the Living, Living Dead, like, yeah, he's attractive, but this movie was just like the cherry on top. But uh, besides all that, I have to say, like, this is not your typical vampire movie. Mm-mm. And I feel like a lot of people need to realize that. Yeah, no, I co-signed for both of those because, again, that was my first note, too, because they were like, Dwayne, let's undo some buttons. He's like, okay, I know I can get it, whatever. But, like, this is not a typical vampire movie. It's kind of like an art house romantic situation that would probably be so much bigger if it wasn't for the fact that there were Black people, which I hate, mm-hmm. especially because, like, we don't have that many, like, Black, queer, male writer-directors. And so the fact that we just don't put respect on this shit is just really, really upsetting to me. Yeah. yeah, It was... I thought, like, everything about this movie was visually stunning. Uh, And Dwayne Jones is definitely one of those things. Uh, (laughs) But just, like, all the visuals that they kept, like, going back to and the, like, visions that he would kind of have, I feel like, were just really, like... I don't want to say beautiful because some of them were not beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get me me started. Don't get me started. They were were striking. striking. That's a good word. Yes, I completely agree. And I also do agree that it's not your typical vampire movie because I honestly don't even think he is a vampire. Uh, This kind of reminded me, and Sheree, you'll probably actually disagree with me, but you'll remember the title of the movie. (laughs) Um, This reminded me of that movie that we both disagree on. Uh, uh, where the family is... My heart can't beat unless you tell it to. Oh. That's what this reminds me of. Except this one's a little not as like dark and depressing. I couldn't finish that movie. I, I, I love got... that movie. I is it worse? Because to... I think I have like I think I have like 30 minutes left on it, so should I finish it? I'd say go ahead and finish it. I, I loved it, and I'm not an emotional person, but there's something about having to care about family member um, and what the length you would go through. And like when I saw it, I was not where I am in life now. But now that I'm where I'm at in life now, it probably hits even different and harder. But yeah, just the idea that he drinks blood, but he doesn't like bite people. He he has to kind of kill them in other ways and then drink their blood. We've seen this kind of vampires before, though. Like we are a generation of Buffy fans, Um, and so we have vampires who are like, I don't, I don't want to bite people, but I want to (laughs) live. Fair. That's fair. But yeah, I thought everything was visually stunning in this film, for sure. Yeah, like, the shots they took, the moments they let, like, just breathe, because, like, at the end, well, towards the end, when he's sort of, like, going to the reverend, and it's not a baptism, but it's definitely something spiritual happening, Mm -hmm. and you're like, this is where we've been going, okay, because it was a lot of meandering, I'm not gonna lie, the 70s art house movies were about vibes, and this was definitely, I'm gonna have some vibes, too. Um, but when you get there, you're like, oh, no, he's a, he's feeling a way about being whatever he is. Um, <laughs> and we're going to let this moment breathe. It was kind of like he was, like, cursed. Yeah. Like, he was cursed with, like, eternal, like, life. Yeah. And it, it really makes you think, like, is it really worth it? And it, it really hit because, like, I, especially in the 70s, like, it was just, like, Black people's spirituality was the thing. Mm-hmm. Like, as newer generations, we sort of get to, like, believe and disbelieve in what we do, or we get to be agnostics or whatever. But, like, back then, it was, like, church. You don't get to say you don't go to church. You don't get to say you right. don't believe. And so to, like, be cast from the outside and then to go to the church to be, like, I am not, I am not, and want acceptance and I, I this time watching it, because this is my third time watching it, second time sober. Um, <laughs> it made me want to like go find like some black queer writers who maybe wrote about it because I feel like um, Bill Gunn's fucking with some stuff that I, I, I'm, I'm noticing, but I'm not noticing all the nuance of because like again, like he was a black gay man in the seventies, which is not a good time ever. <laughs> um, and so I wonder if there's more to it than even what I'm trying to like pick up on. And so I, yeah. I I'm excited to go get into those essays if they're out there. Hopefully, for sure. And I'm you know I I didn't know that the director was the director writer was queer, but I I definitely picked up on the that beginning fight between him and and Dwayne. I was like, this feels like foreplay, like. <laughs> I feel like I'm about to get a good scene next. <laughs> I was like, oh, don't, don't, don't hurt him. Oh, 
school. Or well, do. Yeah. Maybe y'all like being hurt. I... <laughs> That's one of my notes, too. Because, like, the male nudity in this one was done tastefully. But also the way the violence and the sex were shot. Because, like, the violence was sexier than, like, their sex scenes. Because it was 70s sex. It was, like, all vibes. He jumped on him. He, right? he jumped and straddled him. Listen, he tackled him. Like, I would tackle a scars guard. And I was like, oof. I feel that I received. <laughs> but, like, the violence was sexier. Because they were, like, passionate about it. And, like, the sex scenes with Marlena Clark, who's a badass in her own right. I never know about her. It was all like, let's just rub and lay here. Right. And I'm like, y'all is not as passionate as he was with your husband <laughs> an hour ago. Like, especially when, uh, I know, like, we're jumping forward with this one. But, like, when she seduces the guy. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I put my notes. I was like, feet. But, uh, <laughs> but it was just like, she didn't like go right in there. She was just like, I'm going to rub your feet and slip on this tongue ring. <laughs> I was like, is this is this a, a good thing? I mean, I don't. <laughs> I, guess, I guess when you're the undead, you're not worried about foot in your face. Because like as somebody who's alive and I got to live with my face for the rest of my life, not in my face. Right. I, I, People are in the feet, but I am not one. And so like uh-huh. I'm not out here being an anti-kink, but just like if you put your foot in my face, we done. <laughs> like I no. hate feet. <laughs> Even baby feet. Because people like hold this baby. I'm like this baby's putting feet in mouths, and I will not be holding this baby. They're like, smell the baby's foot. Smell no. it. I'm like, no, what why? It's feet. This baby got feet. This baby got grown feet. It's done. <laughs> so. so I- I'm curious about what your thoughts are, because I thought it okay. I had a, a, a um, evolution of feelings about the opening, just in general, because I thought it was really interesting at first when they because they begin with just uh, white lettering on black background that kind of explains all the exposition that you need to know yeah. that his assistant went crazy, stabbed him three times, one for the father, one for the son, and one for the Holy Ghost. He got cursed. He lives forever, but he has to drink blood. But then they go back. And they show it all happening. Because I was like, oh, okay, we're going to start. And he's already cursed. And we're just going to go from there. So I was, I didn't know how I felt about the fact that they tell me what's going to happen. And then they show me exactly what they've already told me. I'm curious how y'all felt about that. It felt like he made his movie. And then somebody was like, I don't understand. And so he did that. Okay. Cause as, a, as a writer, you put something in there and it's super fucking explicit. And people are like, I don't understand. What is her first name? And I'm like, they say her first name 90 times. <laughs> like the Loft Boys, I shit you not. My theory in my head is Michael's name is said so many times because we kept forgetting what the fuck his name was. And they were like, no, 90 times. Michael, 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 Michael. And Thirsty Bitches still forgot his name. I am Thirsty Bitches. I'm like- done. I'm done. <laughs> I- <laughs> I'm glad you said that because I had it in my notes like, one of the like one of the complaints about this movie is like there was just too much hidden like I don't I'm still confused about the meaning of this movie what does this movie mean like yada 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 I'm just like okay so I can see why uh, Mr. Gunn did that so like just like what Sheree said like to go ahead just put everything on the screen so people would be like oh okay and it kind of reminds me of like a chapter book yeah. Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, like you get the the um oh my gosh, I forgot. Um um Romeo and Juliet, how like in the beginning of that play, they go ahead and you. tell you yeah. what's gonna happen, that Romeo and Juliet are gonna be like they're gonna die at the end of the play. Yeah. So I was kind of getting that vibe from it. That, that but, is interesting because yeah, we do really start because after that we immediately go to the church, which we don't revisit the church until the end. The so we kind of begin in the end. Yeah. And then go back and tell you how it got there. It's okay. I'm down with that. Which which makes sense because most people when their babies are like baptized or whatever the family believes in, and then a lot of people are just like fuck around and find out. And then when they older, they're like, oh wait, now I'm on my deathbed. Bring me a reverend, priest, pastor, nun person. I believe now. I believe. <laughs> I believe. <laughs> now that I got 24 hours, I believe. <laughs> so- <laughs> right oh my gosh but it's true though because looking at the ending of this movie like Hess we don't see him as a very like 
spiritual religious person until he's like at his wits end and he's just like yo I, I, I need to relieve myself from this curse like the only way, way I know to do is just to go to church and sit in front of this cross and head out right <laughs> I did think it was kind of fucked up for him to turn her and then be like, okay, bye. I'm done now. <laughs> I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> and she's just like, well, what about what? Now He's I'm like, please join me. That was real fucking rude to be like, mm, I, we can't get divorced. So I'm going to just go ahead and eat myself. Right. She's like, shit. Right. Huh, you go ahead and do that and I'll right? take your money. Everybody right. in this movie is petty. Everybody in this movie is petty. Dwayne was like, oh, you're going to curse me? I'm going to Drink your blood, look it off the floor, take your wife, maternal, her, and then I'm going to die. <laughs> did he take her or did she deliver it? That was well, not DiGiorno. That was my, delivery. That's my question. No. I don't know. Listen, because she was like, I can't find my husband. And then she, you can call her pinata because she's busting it open. And I don't blame her because <laughs> I don't blame. If I showed up and Dwayne was there, I'd be like, you know what? Who husband? What husband? <laughs> For right, because I could be like when they were having sex the first time. I was like, "Does she know her husband's dead?" And then I was then I then that scene right after she finds the body and like screams. I'm like, "Well, yes, she didn't know her husband was dead." But <laughs> I just love that she finds the body, she screams, and she's like, "I couldn't finish dinner." And then she like leaves the room, but they still fucking later because she's like, "You know what I'm not going to do? Look a gift away in the mouth." Look. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. I love how like that whole conversation between got like Hess and Ganja. It was no like hello or no like no type of kindness. Like she just went straight to the point. Like, look, it's been a long six months. She, Where the hell is my husband? Ganja don't play. She's <laughs> she got there. She entered this movie and said, uh, I'm here. I don't got nowhere to go. What what can I do? And he was like, You can come here. She's like, Okay, I'll be there. Be ready. And she was like, she would not take she would take a name. She wasn't playing around from the minute she got there. Can I stay over? <laughs> the movie don't start till she walk in, which I love because usually when men write women, I'm like, ugh. But he was like, I'm gonna give y'all an icon. It's Melinda Clark, and she's playing. Gotcha. I'm like, yay, queen, yes, queen. Because um, literally, she's just like, no, don't you fucking hang up on me. It's been a long six months for me. Fuck your day. Send your chauffeur. I'm at the airport. I'll see you in two hours. And it's like, I guess that's what's gonna happen. Um, I love that. Your name. And she's like, no, we have this for dinner. And like the way she talks to the fucking, the way she talks to the butler, like the way she talks to the butler, like she is owned him his whole life. <laughs> you can tell he was looking at her like this bitch. Oh, oh, she she <laughs> wasn't having none of it. <laughs> she runs the house and wears beautiful clothes, and I aspire. I need a sequel that's just called Ganja. That just follows her around. Ganja <laughs> too, the electric boogaloo or something. <laughs> <laughs> You need a bunch of naked men breakdancing. Because again, the male nudity in this movie. I saw so many dicks. And I was like, this is the way it's meant to be. The end of this movie, she got a naked man running for her. I mean, she's like, already coming. She got her, her milkshake was working. Listen. She was being all the boys in the yard. He came up at that lake and said, I'm coming. And she was like, has who? <laughs> no, it was banging. Um, I, I appreciate male nudity. Because usually it's all like women being naked and rolling around for no reason. But, like, this was not the gaze. And, like, the nudity was done in an artful way. I mean, like, even the man at the end who's, like, running full naked, like, it's, it's like, slowed down and it's artsy and y'all could be, like, a real deviant like I am to really, like, <laughs> get anything from it. <laughs> but, I, yay, this is the right street. <laughs> but, but other people who are more mature and not 12 were like, oh, yeah, I can see what it means. But I was like, his thing is thinking and she's smiling and I want to see I just, I just saw a penis. That's awesome. Her smile, because she was like, I'm not sad anymore. I got plans. <laughs> I, I'm blessed. Right? <laughs> Upgrade you. Listen. Ooh. Shit. But Hess, Dr. Hess was making choices from the very beginning of his mood. When he walks in and finds the man he had foreplay with and then killed, and then cursed him and then killed himself, he straight up started licking that blood off the floor. Get something and put that blood in the bowl or something. It's that on the bathroom floor. Sanitary. It's on the bathroom floor. Like it's not gonna work. But no, my my other thing with George, who was Bill Gunn, which I didn't know Bill Gunn was in the movie the first time I watched it. Again, I was drunk the first time. Um, but the second time I watched the credits, apparently, 
But like his whole suicide scene, and we did trigger warning for suicide. But like the whole scene, because he's in the bathtub and he's brushing his teeth with the bathtub water and he's drinking the bathtub water. And I was like, mm-mm, mm-mm. Yes. Mm-mm. And that weird speech he has before he kill before he goes in there and bathes him and kills himself. I didn't did anyone else like make sense of that? Or was that supposed to be him just waxing to show that he's kind of lost his lost it. I think it's what happens to Hess and that he's like, I don't belong here. I am cursed. I don't want this life anymore. I'm in this shit. And then like, of course, that's what happens to Hess. So maybe it'll be one vampire at a time. Because I imagine it's got to be hard to be a black vampire in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Wait, was he was he cursed like that? He, he cursed him, yeah. By stabbing him, though. I didn't know that he was already cursed. I thought they were both cursed when they were rolling around on the floor. <laughs> no, they were rolling around the floor, and then he starts stabbing him, and that's when he curses him. In the beginning, it says he got stabbed three times, one for the Father, one for the Son, and one for the Holy Spirit, and then he was cursed for with everlasting life and had to drink blood. But maybe he, maybe the guy was cursed, too, and that's why they were fooling I don't know. Um, okay, so I thought Hess cursed George, and George is like, I don't want it. No, George cursed George, Hess. You know what? I got confused <laughs> when they got onto the floor, and I was like, what was I watching? Indestructible. <laughs> but, like, that makes more sense, though, because he George had more time to live with it, and it was like, I don't want it. And so he cursed Hess, and was like, yeet me. <laughs> See, I didn't think that he was... Okay, I'm going to go. It's, I'm going to go back and rewatch this movie. Because in the beginning, I like, think it just says his his assistant goes nuts or goes yeah. insane, and because they're doing this excavation thing, studying this culture or whatever, and they find this mystical knife that's like made out of a bone, and that's what. And then the the assistant like loses it while they're having foreplay. And stabs him three times, and then Hess is cursed. But then George, maybe George thinks he killed Hess, and that's why he kills himself because he killed his lover. I don't, but I don't know. See, I'm oh, on the Wikipedia page. I'm getting us answers. <laughs> I took it as like George was suffering with some type of mental illness because yeah. he admits that he tried to commit suicide before, and it did go through. Like okay. I don't know. That's that was what I was feeling. And then like especially like with his strained marriage with Ganja. Oh. <laughs> but then maybe I, I kind of get a feeling that maybe he was battling like his sexuality. Like maybe he didn't want to come to terms that he could be a queer man. Yeah, and and that's, that's what I'm picking up on is that, that that is the real curse. It's a commentary. And I'm mad that we don't have Bill Gunn now where people would actually speak to him and ask him these questions. Because like in the 70s, it's like, you made a black movie. We don't care about it. We're going to give it mm-hmm. zero stars. Tomato, tomato, tomato. But like now that like enough of us are like, we want to know more. Like we don't have it. Yeah. As far as I know, maybe there's a random paper or essay somewhere and I just have not found it yet. But I would love to know, like, because I mean, like, it's a, it feels like a very queer film, and I don't. I'm not just saying not to be like a this straight lady wants to be like queer imprints, but I feel like if you like look at this shit, th- there's some there's some undertones there, especially mm-hmm. because like again, the black church is very. It, it is not. It, it is it, not a safe space for black queer people usually. Yeah. Um, which is why a lot of my friends are like, I don't go to that church no more. I'm gonna try another church if I really want to get religious, but I don't go to that one anymore. It's a place of trauma. Yeah, I think I think, but Trey, I think you're on. You are honest. I don't think you're looking too deep into this to, to find a queer undertone, and especially now me knowing that it's written by a queer person. Yeah, yeah, like that. That fight scene makes more sense. The relationship between Hess and George makes more sense, and and you know, it being in the seventies, you couldn't make like I think if it were made today, I'm curious if Ganja would have been a man. Spike Lee remade it, yeah. so we'll never know. I actually well, seen it, but was it good? I liked it, but it's a Spike Lee movie. That's what right. I can say. Um, there is a little switch up in the movie, to- like at the end, like how it ends. 
I don't know if y'all want me to go ahead. It's not, it's nothing too like, oh my gosh, like oh. But um, so uh Hess, like so like how in, in this film she seduces a man in the Spike Lee version, she seduces a woman. Of course. So yeah. So that's how it is like the woman comes She's gotta out. have it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, with like his version is pretty much like a it's the same as this movie with like little Spike Lee touch to it. Spike like Lee-isms. even like even the opening of the movie, you're like, Yup, that's a Spike Lee movie. Yep. I according to the Wikipedia page, what we saw at the top of this movie was his unstable assistant, George, threatens suicide. Green successfully talks him down, but later that night, um, George attacks and stabs Hess with a Mirian ceremonial dagger, and then he kills himself. So that's what we saw in the order of events. He was already suicidal, and then he stabbed him, and then he committed right. suicide anyways. And, well, and, you know, in the 70s especially, queerness was considered mental, mental illness. illness. Um, and so I wonder if that was his way of, like, I'm going to put this in there, but not tell you that it's in there. Yeah. And I think that it also makes the dagger more interesting because that's very much a stabbing situation, which is a very insertion situation. Sexual-ish. Yeah. Because there's yeah. many, we've seen vampires get made many ways between three of us. Um, and so there's <laughs> something about that dagger. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> as opposed to a tussle and a stab, um, which I mean, like, if that's how you get made, I'm willing to get made that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? Oh, oh, oh! Stab me, Dwayne. Stab me. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is really interesting. Can we talk about the scene with? Was she a sex worker or was she who? Like, I didn't catch the one he ate left the baby crying. Yeah, yeah, the one that tried to shoot him but had her eyes closed. <laughs> oh, the lady from the bar. Then she takes her wig off and she, yeah, and, she, and then they get attacked and she's like got her eyes closed, swinging his gun yeah, around, think, trying to shoot him. I'm like, girl, open your eyes! I think she was a sex worker, yeah. I'm pretty sure she was. I think her and the man with the gun in her apartment had a scam where she brings them back and they uh-huh. robbed him. So I don't know if she was actually, like, putting out... I mean, I'm I'm not saying that she would or would not, because clearly, like, she's doing shit for monies, and I don't know her life. But, she, like... <laughs> she was like... <laughs> She had her eyes. She's like, ah! she, she was like, like ah! let's get more comfortable. Oh, you don't like this? Let me just my hair. Yeah. Meanwhile, Dwayne just laying there with his shirt open. Like they were like <laughs> release the nipples, and he was like, okay, I don't care. <laughs> but can we just talk about how he was laying up in that bed? Though I was just like. Like he pay rent, which I mean, he, that's how he be in my bed, so I'm not saying nothing. But like, he was just, ooh. Like, they snapped. They was like, you was in black and white the last time you was in the genre, so we're going to put you in color and open up these buttons and we're going to make sure you lay around a lot. <laughs> and then towards the end, we're going to see your, your naked back and a side of a butt cheek. So I- <laughs> right? He was like, I'm not giving you full frontal because I am still Dwayne Jones and I am a real actor. <laughs> Plus, we got a lot of other dicks flying around here, so you don't need me. Because <laughs> like, again, I'm always like, I want, I want less breasties and more testies. And this movie understood the assignment before I was born. Mm-hmm. And I think we only got like one pair of breasties, didn't we? If yeah. that, like one was... and a half. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, she had like he opened up her shirt, and they were like there. Yeah, yeah. Like it was very much. It was not tit for tat. It was, <laughs> it was half tit, lots of that. Look, <laughs> tit for test, right? Um, yeah, no, I, I was here for it, and again, it was done in a tasteful way. Like it was not just like Dixon about like people sword fighting in the hallways. It was like, <laughs> it was like I'm getting out of a bad tub, but I'm saying, and so like it's not sexy, and I'm like it's not sexy at all. <laughs> Or I just rose from the dead and I'm running at you and we're gonna do something. And she's like, Yeah, we will. And I'm like, oh <laughs> like it was it was the way he shot the way he shot the sex scene between Hess and Gondra when 
you know, on the mattress or whatever. And like he kept switching from pers- like one side to the other. So they kept flipping sides. And I was like, wait, hold on. Hold on. Wait, who's, the, who's doing what to who? Okay. Wait, no, now we're switched again. Hold on. <laughs> Another thing about the shot is like we don't get a lot of Dwayne's face for somebody being the lead. Mm-hmm. We're always over shoulder at his side and profile, which I thought was fascinating because normally when you have a lead and it's somebody who's that gorgeous and that like talented, you're like in his face, we're in his eyeball, open your mouth, we're in your throat. And they were like, mm, let's go put it on Marla and we'll just talk to Marla. <laughs> And I was like, "What had happened? Was he, was he not your body's days? Was he out sick? What did he? Was a stand-in busy? What, what's going on?" I want to bring up. Okay, so how did how did y'all feel about Ganja's like origin story? Because we do get a scene where she goes into depth, like what happened with her, like in her childhood, and it kind of gives us like an insight to like why she is the way she is. I I love that character so I was more of her but I also that was one of the few times I was like why can't she just be a strong bitch you know what she wanted while we get into the trauma of how she got to be this way right and Shuri made a good point earlier that the film the plot of the film meanders a lot and I think that's the one complaint I have about this movie is that I felt like sometimes I was given unnecessary things just to make it interesting which I get and I do think it made her character a little more complex, but I also agree with what Sheree said. Why couldn't it just be that she's just a badass, you know? Yeah. More bad bitches. Because, like, I get that it's a romance and I'm not a romance bitch. And so she has to share something with him so they can be like, it's other kinds of intimacy, Sheree. And I'm like, make the thing thing. Make the thing thing. Um- <laughs> I, I know, like, the last couple times that I've seen this movie, I struggled with like liking her character. But like this time around, I was just like, okay, I, I can see where she's coming from. Okay. She's my favorite. Like I, I put I in, like, like her in my final films. Yeah. Cause she just again, we don't get enough women, especially black women, which are unapologetically like this is what I want, this is what I bring, you're gonna do the fucking shit. Like she it's like her and Whitley from a different world. Like those those are my like high maintenance black girls, and I, I aspire. Like me and my PSLs could never, but we want to. We want to. <laughs> yeah, I think like my main issue with her was like how just nasty she was towards the butler. And I was just like, yeah. he He's just trying to do his job. Like you did not even say hello. Like, do you even know his name yet? Like, but you know, I I also really because that archetype or that that like not archetype but character flaw because it is kind of a flaw that she is very gruff. I would say is usually put on men, and we usually excuse it because it's on a man. And I think it's interesting because I kind of feel the same way that I do about you know certain other female characters the only one that's coming to mind right now would be like a gail weathers from scream that's very much like i'm gruff i'm rude i'm going to tell you what i think and you know i i I, you know i i I like it when they're like that though because i feel like it's 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 more it's it's upending years of sexist tropes of like women have to be nice and women have to be likable and women have to be Mm -hmm. sweet same. I live for these kind of women characters and men are like, I hate her. And they turn around and like, I love him. He's so evil in all these shows they watch. And I'm like, oh, so this is talent for white men, but not for black women. What right. you're telling me? Hmm. Wonder why. I see you, Kenny. <laughs> I see you, Kenny. Um- <laughs> yeah, and it's like, it had, like, her interactions with the butler got me thinking about like another trope, like I want to say trope, but another subject matter that this movie kind of tackles on is the whole like class. Mm-hmm. So you have like you have Hess, who's like a well-known doctor. He's like everyone knows him. He has money. Like he's all the way up there. And then you have like his chauffeur slash friend slash reverend, who's like on the lower bottom like of the pyramid and it's just it shows like how like the interactions between each character like we were just talking about like with Ganja how she was treating the butler like she treated him like he was just beneath her and like he could never get on her level 
And I, the reason I'm okay with it is because she also treated Hess that way. Everybody yeah. she talked to, was, I'm sure if there's a scene with her and the Reverend at her wedding, and she's like, fuck you, you're going to do what I see it. <laughs> and, I, and I live for that because it keeps it steady. Like, if she's just yeah. attacking like poor people, I'd be like, really? Um, but she was like, I'm coming to your house. I think you know my husband is. Send your chauffeur. I know you got a chauffeur, you rich bastard. And he's like, okay, okay, okay. Calm down, calm down. <laughs> Um, she can, she she comes in on a ten and she leaves on a ten. And, and I live. Respect it. I She's like, you want to open this door? Right. <laughs> hold my bag. <laughs> do you have grape jelly and do you have grits? That's what I asked you. Um, that made me yes, you grits. Listen, I I live for her because again, like we we don't get to see a lot of black women getting to be nasty in a space that like lets them be. Because normally it's like, oh no, this evil witch. Oh no, we gotta get her out of here. She's an old auntie. And she's like, I'm young and I'm fine and you fucking welcome. Give me my grape jelly. <laughs> I aspire, like she's goals. I... <laughs> if Marlena Park is ever listening to my voice, I want her to know that I love her and I aspire <laughs> to be this it, character. It would be interesting to see some of her interaction. It is telling that she's kind of the only, besides the perceived sex worker from earlier in the film, she's one of the only few women character, female characters in this movie. Yeah. And so it would have been interesting to see how her character would have interacted with other women if we would have seen a more complex interaction. Maybe. Now that you say that, though, yeah, no, she's the one with agency because we have yes. the one that was setting him up um, with the, the dude and the mm-hmm. guns, and then we have the woman he ate and left the baby crying, and we have like random silent women in the background on a couple yeah. scenes, and like the one the that's like, the "Your father's here. Here's your son." So we know that Hess has a son, but we don't get a whole lot of women who are involved in the plot. It's a very male-heavy plot, which I mean, mm-hmm. again is probably also a commentary and I wish that Bill Gunn was around so we could ask these questions. I wish that somebody had cared to ask instead of being racist when he was around. Yeah, That's my truth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I I do wish there were more women with agency in this film, but... I don't... I, I don't know if I need more women with agency because, again, like, if this was him... It being like, I'm going to put together as black and queer of a film as I can in the time that we have, because it's the 70s, then I mean, I don't really need to be there. I look at it as like when Wakanda, when the Black Panther came out and like people, my complexion were like, where are we at in Wakanda? I'm like, bitch, let me have this. We ain't invited because it's still Africa. This is, this, this is uncolonized territory. Shut up and buy a ticket. And so, <laughs> and so I don't need to be in here. Because it's an experience we don't get enough of on film, even today. Because, I mean, like, it's... I, I know a lot of Black queer men, but, like, they don't get to tell their stories. Yeah. No, that, that's true. That, that is that is a good point, if that was his intention, for sure. I do want to point out that, well, I do think it's important to mention... And I, I don't know for sure, because the bio that I'm looking at right now doesn't say it explicitly. But it says that Bill Gunn died in 89, so very well could have been HIV AIDS related, um, you know? And so I think it's important to recognize all the artists that we lost and that it still lose to this day in that um, epidemic. And so, because yeah, I think of all the art, we, could, we all the other movies he could have made, all the other stuff he could have done, we could have had interviews, we could have, you know, if things had been different. I don't know if we would have gotten them because again, like look at the other black people who started doing stuff in the eighties and nineties and how they sort of had to like end up not doing their projects, like to leave horror for a minute, because again, there's not that many horror people who are given horror movies <laughs> and are black. Hmm, wonder why. Um, but like Robert Townsend had to like fund his movies, like Hollywood shuffle. On I credit love that cards movie. It's so fucking oh. good. It's so fucking good. He had to fund it out of pocket because studios wouldn't give him money. So he's like, I'm going to put my house on mortgage and max out some credit cards and call my friends. he was speaking the truth. Like, yeah. yeah. And that was most of his early career. And he doesn't make movies anymore because critics are shit on his movies, even though black people were like living because they're like, oh my God, it's funny and it's us. Like yeah. the Meteor Man, I got to see it again last year. I forgot Bill Cosby was there. That ruined it a little bit, but like the outside of Bill Cosby parts, I was like, I remember this, like I'm seeing in theaters for the first time as a yeah. ever old I was kid. And so 
there's something to be said for black creators not being given support and being ignored. Like a tales from the hood. Rusty kind of is still ignored. Yep. But he didn't give us tales from the hood. One yeah. of these powerful and, and important anthology films and yeah. cinema. Yeah. Right. And period. People write from it all the time, but won't give him his due. And I'm just like, for whom? And like that movie is still rated very low on Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb because black people. Uh, and how do we how do we know what would have and could have because again the 90s to today are still not kind to black creators which is why mm-hmm. most of us are not being paid yeah yeah i go along with that i kind of get have the feeling and i know this is kind of a bit of a stretch but mr gunn was giving like i feel like he was the 70s version of jordan peele because like i mean jordan peele he's well received now like his movies are great a lot of people are enjoying them but there's still like that group of people are like i don't understand it it's stupid mm-hmm. it was a waste of time and that that it's the same yeah it's woke and that's how people were treating gaja and hess they were just like boo tomato tomato i don't understand it like this is not a vampire movie like this is trash like this doesn't make any sense which pisses me off because, like, again, like, I am not the most grounded in hard, hard house films. I'm trying to get better about them. And I found a, bo- a podcast, Blood House, which is hosted by, like, Drusilla and Josh Conkle, who's had on the show and will have next week. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying to do better about it. But, like, this aligns with those vibes of those art house movies that people go up for. And they're like, all of these are great when it's all white people. But if you make it yeah. black and maybe queer, it's like, oh, no, we can't talk about it. Put it on Showtime forever. And, God forbid we do that. Right? Yeah. People love romance. They love vampires. They love art house movies. Why don't we love this movie other than racism? Is there yeah. any other reason other than racism? Yeah, Going twice. That right. it wasn't right in their faces. Because right. some right. people need to have all that stuff in their face, like here. No. <laughs> Which is why the Peel movies that are not get out are pissed on by white people. Because they're just like, mm, it doesn't have anything to do with anything. I'm tired of white people being like, it doesn't have a purpose if it's not about racism from black people. When like we have so many white movies about all the random bullshit or nothing. Seinfeld was about nothing and people loved it. But like you let a black creator not be like, racism a b c d e f g it's like it's not about nothing it ain't about nothing and like us is definitely about class and other things um nope it's about so many things i'm trying not to talk about because like it's still new it's i just still haven't video. seen it i still haven't seen it yeah it's still it's just a vod um but like his movies are about things but people are like if it's not about racism he's not calling me out where i feel comfortable with it i don't want to see it and i'm like well nobody invited you judith what <laughs> It like reminds me like when um, Get Out came out. Yes. And like my friend and I, we went to the movies and like the movie ended, it's like the white people turn and they just smile at you. <laughs> right. And, like another like that the same thing happened to me when I went to see hairspray. At oh. the end, all the white people were like, Oh, right. <laughs> they wanted digestible and they wanted what they wanted. And if you try and like make it you're giving nuance, they're like, no. Like, it's the same people who, like, go to the theater to see Oklahoma, but want to see anything new. Oh, and I'm just yeah. like, no, you know this is not right. I know you know this is not right. <laughs> I hate Oklahoma. Anyway. Uh. <laughs> I talked about Oklahoma this weekend because my mentor, who I ASM'd Oklahoma for, was in town. And I had forgotten how much I hate that show. <laughs> I hate that show yes. so much. Oh. Well, let's oh. not... <laughs> Oh. <laughs> Let's not go down that rabbit hole because we'll be here forever. It's like there's like two different cuts of the film. I, I want to see the other cut because I, I'm fascinated by it. Again, it's not my favorite movie, but also I think it's because like it's it's an experience trying to be like palatable for the time that it was made because mm-hmm. like he's doing a bunch of stuff that you don't get to do in that era already. And so he's like, how far can I push this envelope? And yeah. so I just I, I wish I could sit, if I can sit down with dead people, he'd be one on the list. And I, I just want to be like, your movie. I, I've seen it three times now, too sober. And I think that I'm picking up on so Don't blame the alcohol. I'm having thoughts. Can we talk about it, please? Because, sir, what, what were the early drafts like, even? Like, yeah. yeah. I was just going to say really quickly <laughs> that I, I, this is one that I definitely have a, a lot of respect for. And I, think it's visually stunning. Art House is just not my cup of tea per se. So it's not my favorite film we've ever covered, but it's de- 
by far not my least favorite. Oh, no, she's definitely in the good top half. Like, she could never, on her bad day, fall down to some of the shit we've seen. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, the, so I've watched this on Showtime, and I'm pretty sure that version is the extended part. Because, like, when it opened up, I was like, I don't remember this. Am I, is this the right, is this the trailer? Hold on. Is this the right movie? Because the versions I've seen multiple times was like, it shows Hess like going to Africa, retrieving the dagger and all that, like retrieving the dagger and all that stuff. That's how I remembered it. But this Showtime edit, I was like. Be- and, and okay, to piggyback off that, because I, maybe I might like that version better. Because like I said, my big, really my only and my big negative is the meandering plot sometimes lost me a little bit. But like, so that might be, more straightforward. I did notice this really confused me at first. On the Showtime one, it's it states 1988. Uh-huh. And I was like, but wait, this is a 70s movie. And I had to like relook it up to make sure I'm not wrong. And it's so I was like, maybe this is a re-release, but maybe this is like a extended cut or something that we I don't know. Yeah, I, I was a little confused, but I was just like, okay, I'll just finish it. <laughs> because I know, like, this movie, it was on Shudder, and it was on Tubi and all that stuff, and then they're like, <laughs> no, we're going to cut it and, like, make it difficult for you to find, but... I've only ever seen the Showtime version because it's where it's been for the last year, because the first time I saw it, it was when we were doing um, Thursday Thursday with Horror Queers, and all of us only had, like, white queer creators, and I was like, I'm going to find somebody, and so I hit the <laughs> Google, and it's like, Bill Gunn, gone to his, like, now it's time to finally fucking watch it, let's go! <laughs> And but I was drunk, and so I was like, I don't know what I saw, but I saw it. He's a black queer man, and we should have supported him. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm done. because no. yeah, like in the Showtime version or the extended version, there was like that weird scene where it's like I don't know who he was. It was like the white guy. He had like a tuxedo mask on, and it was like who was that? That I whole didn't... trippy thing. I was like, I don't remember this. Was this one of Bill Gunn's like? Sex fantasies? Where I don't know. I was come just out in masks, and I don't know. It was a it was a weird scene. I think I don't know, but I I don't remember it at, at all. Yeah. No. Okay. I just double check. Showtime says nineteen seventy three. Okay. Well, on okay. Amazon with the Showtime channel. Yeah, it said nineteen eighty eight. That's how. Yeah, that's where I watched it. Same. Amazon be doing weird shit. I I have our friend's Showtime password, so that's what I've been using. <laughs> I need to text him because they updated it. So he's a, he's a different cable provider. And I panicked for a minute and was like, it's going to be the same login, though, right? Click, click. Okay. <laughs> I love it. All right. Shall we get to hot takes? I'll go ahead and go with mine. So are we ready to accept that romance horror is a subgenre of, of horror? Because I think it is. And we've seen plenty of examples of this now with this movie, with that one other kind of art house movie that I didn't care for either. <laughs> With the vampires, Tilda Swinton. And oh, the, the, oh, that one. Yeah, it's I'll not for me. I get it's it. It's not for me. Um, but also, there's just like a lot of romantic horror movies, Warm Bodies. Warm Bodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched that one I did the interview for, um, Bite Me. It was cute. Okay. More of a rom-com horror, which I, I, I'm i here for. So I think mm-hmm. we just got to accept that rom- uh, romance horror is a subgenre of horror. Y'all haters, Sheree, can get Listen. over it. I didn't say romance horror is not real horror. I just said I don't want to see any of it. Because, um, <laughs> like, genre is a big-ass umbrella, and people need to respect that anything can be horror if you kill enough people in it. <laughs> My hot take is I, too, would have ran off to have sex with Dwayne while forgetting I have a whole-ass husband. Oh, my gosh. I, too, would be called pinata because I'd have been busting it open all around that house. <laughs> The butler would be like, I'm still in the room. And I'd be like, then get the fuck out. And get my game jelly for tomorrow. Sheree would be like, fuck your butler. You come on, get me. You come right? pick me up. Come pick me up. I hear your voice. I think I know who you is. Like, <laughs> 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 Let's see. I think I might have two. I don't know. My first one would be like, I most likely would be Ganja in this situation. I would not <laughs> sacrifice myself or like in my That's life. Same. because. But I mean, it go both ways. Like I can see where Hess is coming from, but then I can see where Gosh is coming from. I feel like I'd give it a good fifty years before I did. Yeah, it. yeah. yeah they're you both know. high. That's gonna work out for a long time. 
Right. And then it's like, like, what would you do in that situation? Like, I, I don't know if I can even imagine. Like, I've been pissed. You made me a vampire <laughs> and then you left me here. <laughs> you gonna marry me? <laughs> you gonna turn me? You gonna right. make me seduce this person? But um, <laughs> and then I like just wrapping like every wrapping up everything like we talked about, especially like ha- like the treatment of of Mister Gunn like during mm. this production of this movie. It's like when will production companies understand like you don't have to put out trashy dumb films just to make a little coin off of it. Like, I feel like it's possible to use horror to deliver like, like commentary about society, like some of the things that are going on. And that's exactly what, what, what was happening with this movie. And it was mm-hmm. just like, people just couldn't handle it or just refused to see yeah. the true meaning of it. I think that's what the best horror films do. The best horror films comment on the best films in general, not just horror, but all the way around comment on society in which they're they're being made or society in general because society just doesn't change that very often but yeah i i can i completely agree and i think that well i do you know because i love a good trashy slasher every oh, once yeah. in a while oh, yeah. that they have their place but like i feel like sometimes studios specifically not necessarily film creators but the studios think that that's all that we want even though when you look at like the the, the horror films that are making the most money it's the ones that comment on society and comment on the world, like, you know, the, yeah. the deep ones, you know, not woke, but you know what I mean. There's yeah. a reason Jordan Peele has stands. I yeah, am a stan. Yeah. I am hoes. I am- <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yes! Ah! <laughs> right. I mean, think about the films that have been the most successful, the horror films that have been the most successful this year. You've got Nope, Scream, Prey, like, all fairly deep. I mean, you could argue Scream is pretty surface level, but like she's doing stuff. She's like doing, doing it on other levels. Right. She's like meta fandom, which I mean, fandom <laughs> is a. We need to talk about some fucking fandom because, like, the Stranger Things fandom is scary. <laughs> um, yeah. I say that as somebody who wanted to be in the fandom, and I was like, oh no, y'all coming after kids. I'm a evacuate all I these just... Facebook pages. I just don't do fandoms. I love th- I love things. I love Stranger Things, but I'm yeah. not going to be like a fandom person. I'm just chilling. Like, let me enjoy this and be happy. Like, <laughs> that's all I can say. But then, like, oh, go ahead. No, that's where I I am at because like every time you and you get invested in something and you go to like the pages and stuff, it gets weird. Like even Doctor Who, because of course I'm that kind of a nerd, and I was like, oh, I want to find the Doctor Who pages. And I was like, oh no, y'all still problematic. Y'all just problematic. And you like writing in British words, but still, I see you, and I see what you're saying about these two brown people that we've had all decade. Stop! Look, <laughs> I oh gosh, Phantom is just it's just a mess. But I think I think I have like one more piece I want to say going along with like all this stuff. I want people to understand that black creators shouldn't have to dumb them dumb their stuff like their their work down just to be seen Mm -hmm. so that's all i have to say because at this at this point like with this movie that's what was going on behind the scenes like they didn't appreciate that uh, bill had a story they're like no we want to profit off of black exploitation Mm -hmm. and all the movies that came out before this was like trash trash like doesn't make any sense violence and disrespectfulness and like all that stuff but it's like no we can still uh make a a meaningful story and it could be enjoyable but right like the bar keeps moving because people will argue that death spa is art but like most of the black films i'm just like i know this is better than death spa like (laughs) if i'm not fucking with it i know it's better than death spa (laughs) i've never even heard of that movie (laughs) Listen, we will not be covering it. I've seen it twice. I ain't seen it again. Um, <laughs> do your own homework, Trent. Do your own homework. Um, but people are like, oh, yeah, no, that's fine. Ha, ha, ha. Well, with that recommendation, let me go run out and watch it real quick. <laughs> watch it be on Tubi. Right. <laughs> usually is. Everything's usually. on Tubi. Listen. All right. Well, that is our thoughts on Ganja and Hess. Thank you so much, Ash, for joining us. Thank you for having me. It was a blast. <laughs> 
Next week, we'll be covering When a Stranger Calls, the original Uh 1979 with Josh Carkle. I love it because when I messaged Josh to be like, will you do this with us? Um, Josh explained that they feel the same way that I feel about this movie. And so it's going to be a fun time. And oh, I, I really can't agree. wait to hear it. Yes. <laughs> I've never now, seen it. So I've only, I've only ever seen the remake. I'm going to say less. But when you see the notes for next week, you'll know why I'm saying less. <laughs> like the first, uh-huh. 20, the first 21 minutes is the perfect movie. Oh, yeah. That's how yeah. I feel about it. Yep. Done. Everything else is gravy. Um, first twenty minutes, it, we could have ended it right in the there. I'd be like, "Ooh, give it awards, Oscar, Oscar, Oscar." Um, <laughs> but they was like, "We gotta do a feature, bitch." I was like, "Okay." <laughs> and there's like a sequel too. No, two I, more sequels. There's a sequel and a remake. Okay, okay. The, the sequel when a stranger t- calls back. I'm trying yeah. to make people watch it with me on Clubhouse. So like, we will find a time. We will find a time. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm gonna enter the chat after we get done recording and be like, hi, I'm talking to Ash and we feel <laughs> oh. I've no. never seen it, so it's okay. I think I saw it as a child and I had parts of it mixed up with this first one. Cause I saw both as a child, but like the first 21 minutes of this one sticks with me and the rest of the movie is hit and miss. And so uh-huh. I was like mixing it up or everything after the first 20 minutes with the sequel. And I'm like, oh, this doesn't happen here. Oh, she in this one. Oh, this is a different movie. Um, so I want to watch the sequel to be like, how did all these memories add up to something in a separate movie? <laughs> and I think, what's her name? Jill Sholin, isn't it? I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just had it yeah. pulled up on Google. She, Carol or, Kane is the final girl we've always wanted, though. Jill mm-hmm. Johnson. That's her name. Jill Johnson. Jill Johnson. Plays, okay. Who plays Carol Kane? You mean Carol Kane plays her? Yes. I, was I don't like, know how IMDb does or how Google does this. <laughs> no, because Carol Kane's a real person. <laughs> okay, Carol Kane plays Jill Johnson. That, that makes yeah. sense because Jill Johnson is very much a character name. Like, <laughs> right? No, because Carol Kane was like in Black Christmas and in Scrooge and Kimmy Schmidt, even though I didn't finish Kimmy Schmidt. But I anyway, didn't finish it either. I didn't want to start it. My friend made me, and I was like, this ain't it. Um, <laughs> but then I came back for the VDs because I stay thirsty. Um, <laughs> Anywho's, this is going to continue our what we call the seventies trip down old school. Yeah, it's going to continue <laughs> our old school adventure. We need to write that down somewhere so I remember it because I drink a lot. <laughs> yes. Again, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you to Ash for joining us. Yay! Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And <laughs> as always, make sure that you stay fierce out there. Bye. Bye. <laughs>